how it lights my path, how it guides my way. This morning, because we've got Abby Willits here to share the word with us. Yes, give her a welcome. Um, Abby, as I'm sure you know, has come over to us this morning from the Ichthus congregation in New Life, and uh, she's part of the Ichthus ministry team, and she's going to share on our next section of Exodus. We've been journeying through Exodus bit by bit in the story of Moses and God's people Israel, and we've come to a climax here. So we're going to read together, if you want to follow with me, Exodus chapter 14, and verses 13 to 31. And even if you haven't followed the story with us to this point so far, I imagine you might recognize this very powerful encounter that we're going to read about here. Exodus 14 and verses 13 to 31. But Moses said to the people, do not fear, stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. As for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. As for me, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I am honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and his horsemen. The angel of God, who had been going before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel. And there was the cloud, along with the darkness, yet it gave light at night. Thus the one did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land so that the waters were divided. The sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on the dry land, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Then the Egyptians took up the pursuit, and all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen went in after them into the midst of the sea. At the morning watch, the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and brought the army of the Egyptians into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve, and he made them drive with difficulty. So the Egyptians said, let us flee from Israel, for the Lord is fighting for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea, 
so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians, over their chariots and their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal state at daybreak, while the Egyptians were fleeing right into it. Then the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, even Pharaoh's entire army that had gone into the sea after them. Not even one of them remained. But the sons of Israel walked on the dry land through the midst of the sea, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Amen. Let's pray for Abby as she comes. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you so much for your servant Abby, Lord. Thank you for all the words that you have put in her heart for us this morning. And we pray that we might have open ears and open hearts to hear them and receive them. Lord, may they change us and make us more like you as we go out to live for you in this world into this week. Bless her, anoint her, fill her, we pray. Amen. Morning, everyone. Lovely to be here, to see you all this morning. Just before we carry on in the word, I do have to say, I think you have the most tuneful happy birthday of any of the ICTUS congregations. At the end there, I was like, wow, some people are harmonizing, doing all sorts. It was very impressive, everyone. So, uh, um, yeah, enjoyed that. So here we are in Exodus 14, and um, I'm hoping and relying on the fact that you have some kind of idea about what has gone before, Um, and if not, and someone's got a Bible nearby, if you don't have a Bible, you can just ask if you can borrow it, have a quick flick back, but we've got this huge build-up to this incredible moment, and I don't know about you, but this moment um, is just wonderful and inspiring and speaks to us on so many different levels. And I was thinking today um, of having one particular thing I wanted to kind of emphasize, um, but I realized it might speak to us on things that I don't say today, and that's the Lord speaking to us. Even as Debbie was reading it, maybe you were something was leaping in your heart, something was being spoken to you in your own spirit. Well, lay hold of it with the Lord, because the symbolism... This actually happened, but the symbolism of what's happening here is so relevant to our lives. Because what we have here is the people of Israel, yes, they've been set free from slavery. Yes, they've got the victory. Yes, they've won. And oh no, this doesn't look like the victory we um, thought we had won. What, there's more battles? What, there's more struggles? What, we're not there yet? What, they're coming after us? This isn't what we had in mind. And sometimes when we are going, wanting to go forward with the Lord, he's wanting to take us somewhere. And sometimes in our relationship with him, we know he saved us. We know that he has won us and we know that he has dealt with things that were holding us in our past. But we get to a certain point and we feel like it's following us. We are being pursued by our past. We're being pursued by the enemy. We're being pursued by things we thought the Lord had dealt with. But look, there it is. It's coming after me again. And we have this choice like God's people have a choice. We have a choice about what we want, what we're going to see, how we're going to stand, and how we're going to speak. 
And all of those three things are really relevant for God's people here. If we just go back to verse 10 of chapter 14, let me just read these few verses before the section that Debbie read to us. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us in the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. In their voice, you can hear it, can't you? You can hear it. They have become completely overwhelmed as they look and they see, which is what it says happens there. They looked up and they saw they were being pursued. They started to see something. They looked back and they were seeing the enemy was after them. And their hearts start to fail. The pressure starts to build up. They become completely overwhelmed. And corporately, their whole voice together is hopeless and despairing. You know, when we are in that place and around that kind of atmosphere, it is so easy to be sucked in. To be sucked in and to also see what everyone else sees, to look back. It's a little bit like what Debbie was saying as she was just drawing our attention to what we sung this morning about the chaos we can get drawn into looking at. And we look at it and often it's a backward look and we're looking at it and we become completely overwhelmed by what we see. You know, it's interesting in those three verses there, 10 to 13 or 10, 10 11 and 12, that they mention Egyptians and Egypt multiple times. <laughs> it's just again and again and again. Because what they're seeing is saying to them, it's not over. We should have just stayed where we were. This movement forward was a waste of time. Everything is saying the past, the past, the past. Everything is saying we shouldn't have done it. We shouldn't have tried anything different. We shouldn't have tried to follow God. We shouldn't have tried to follow Moses. There's this um, overwhelming sense by what they are seeing um, in these moments. Then also they start to speak out of what they see. And all those questions start coming. We could have been fine in Egypt. We told you it was all okay. And they start to speak and speak again and again uh, what... Um, what they are seeing with their eyes. Because what we often do is we start, we see something and then we think, well, this must be real. This is reality. This is the truth. And then we start to speak it out loud. It feels like this must be the truth. It was a big mistake to even try to move forward. And we know, don't we, that actually one of the things that happens in these moments is like a big trap, actually. Because we are very easily held captive by then what we say. It's not just what we see, but then we start to say it and we start to be held by it. I won't read the verses, but in James, you know there's so many verses about our tongue and the power of our tongue. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't share with people when we've got a problem or we feel overwhelmed. But here there's this corporate voice speaking out together and they are being, becoming more and more locked up, if you like, by the way that they are speaking. But we know, don't we? that God is able to set us free, completely free from slavery. It, in this moment, God's people are thinking, it is not possible to be set free from this kind of slavery. It is impossible. Even though they had had a moment where they thought it was possible as they were led out of Egypt, now they're like, it was impossible. And I don't know if that resonates with any of us, but it's certainly true that we can 
by what we see become overwhelmed. I was thinking about David and Goliath, another really well-known part of the Old Testament. And do you remember, you can read it if you want to at some point in 1 Samuel 17, when um, Goliath starts speaking, the people become completely dismayed. Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistines. They were dismayed and fearful. But David later says to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, a spear, and a saber, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of armies, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied. There are those that God wants to place in our hearts, in our lives, like a David, like we're going to see a Moses, the ability to speak in the face of overwhelming things by sight. And even when we become overwhelmed by what everyone is saying around us, the Lord wants to put his spirit in us like David, like Moses, that can start to speak out what he is saying, what is actually true. Because what is true is that there is a very real spiritual battle over becoming a free person, a free man, a free woman. There is a spiritual battle and the enemy operates mostly through threats and intimidation. That is his strategy. It's his way. But what the Lord is wanting to remind us today is that actually if we are not overwhelmed by what we see and if we are careful about how we speak, that he will stand with us as we're going to see in these moments. You know, I found these verses in Proverbs which I hadn't read for a long time and I thought, oh, I'm just going to read them out for you. Proverbs 17. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Proverbs 21 verse 23. Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. It's such a big challenge for us, isn't it? Because so often we think what we're seeing, what we're hearing must be true. And what also we find in this passage is that they need to stand because as they're seeing all of this, as they're hearing one another speak out, we see that they start to, if you like, their knees start to give way. Isn't that what often happens to us? We start to tremble. We start to crumble. We start to lose any strength or power, ability to stand in the face of these things. Hebrews 12 says, Therefore strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. Make straight paths for your feet so that your limbs which are impaired may, may not be dislocated but rather be healed. You know, John Wesley, who um, obviously very famous a Christian man, he wrote this um, on this passage. He said, In times of great difficulty, it is our wisdom to keep our spirits calm, quiet and sedate. For then we are in the best frame both to do our own work and to consider the work of God. Now that's a bit aspirational for some of us, right? Um, I like that phrase, you know, keep our spirits calm, quiet and sedate. We think that's an aspirational statement for all of us. But let it be, because what is happening here um, is verse 14 of that chapter 14 of Exodus. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. The phrase there is actually, while you hold your peace. The danger of just verbalizing everything we see in the chaos around us is we lose our peace, we lose our strength, and we then don't know how to cooperate with God to get where he wants to take us. 
And that is what this episode in Exodus talks to us about. It talks to us about the God who wants to work with us, the God of cooperation, the God who doesn't turn his face from us when the enemy is pursuing us and trying to take us back. No, the God who works for us, but the God who says, actually, you've got to go forward. The danger is to stop and to look back and to become completely overwhelmed. This is the God who says, I set you free, you will be free indeed. Go forward, go forward. But it's very hard to hear that go forward if our spirit has been so disturbed, so crumbled by what has happened in those moments. Not to go backwards is sometimes seems the easiest thing, but it is not what the Lord wants to work with us to do. He wants to take us forward. Galatians 5 verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and don't be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Don't accept that that is all there is for your life. Don't accept that all those memories, that's all that really you should have ever accepted. That's all that could ever have been possible. Don't accept it. The Lord wants to set you free from slavery and he's going to enable you to get out of the way of the enemy who's coming back rattling those chains uh, in your ear and trying to wrap you up again. The Lord wants to take you right forward so that you know the victory, you know the overcoming, but don't be surprised. Just like with God's people, the enemy thinks, I'm not going to let them go. What? This is a mistake. And he comes after us with his threats and intimidations, but the story doesn't end there. Doesn't end with their overwhelming focus on the Egyptians. Um, They actually get across because they learn to cooperate with God. I love that phrase where it says, go forward. Um, You actually can read in Joshua that a very similar thing happens um, um, around God's people taking Jericho. That the Lord says also to Joshua to tell the people to go forward um, out of their struggles and strifes. And it also was interesting to me as I was thinking about Jericho. And if you want to read in Joshua 5, this is what happened there. Now it came about when all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the sons of Israel until they had crossed that their hearts melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the sons of Israel. You see, the next thing I want us to focus on in this passage in uh, Exodus 14, verse 25, the Egyptians could tell that the Lord was fighting for the Israelites. And it changed their perspective. They got themselves into a position, the Israelites under Moses' leadership, where it became clear that God was fighting for them. The same with the people of Israel before Jericho. The people started to hear the rumors. They've crossed over the river. These people, God is with them. God is moving for them. And it made them anxious and afraid and nervous and maybe awestruck and reticent to act against God's people because they knew that God was fighting for them. And I'd love us just to spend a few moments thinking about that today because I know we sing songs, God is fighting for us, and we love that idea. And for some of us, some people think, oh, it's a bit passive. You know, somehow I'm just sitting back. I stay in bed every day, and, but God's fighting for me um, or whatever. And others of us who think, I don't quite know how to lay hold of that. But I think what Moses teaches us, as we see from Jesus in the New Testament, we are invited into a participation with God, a cooperation 
with God. That as we act, God acts. As we move, he moves. As we obey, he acts for us and with us. And I felt today, and I was feeling it for myself, that God wants to liberate us to a new level of cooperation with him and a new confidence in him in this world. We Aren't you tired of just being stuck in that place of slavery and being pursued and feeling like it's hopeless and despairing? It's a devastating way to live. But actually, let's let the Lord call us out. Let's let our spirits settle. Let's let our thoughts come to a peace. Let's hold our tongue. Let's keep, be silent as it were. And let's allow the Lord to bring us out into a new level of cooperation with him. Where the Lord's reputation is seen. Now, if you just go back to Exodus 14 for a few moments, let's just look at this kind of cooperation. Verse 16 and 17. So the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. As for you, this is the Lord speaking to Moses, lift up your staff and reach out with your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. Verse 17, as for me, this is the Lord speaking. He says, as for me, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, etc., etc." I don't know about you, I found that quite remarkable. The Lord is saying, okay, Moses, you do this. And then he's actually sharing with Moses. But as for me, Moses, your Lord, I'm going to do this. What an incredible cooperation. And it continues throughout. Verse 21, Moses reached out his hand over the sea and the Lord swept the sea back. Moses was obeyed, and then the Lord clearly acted. And we go all the way through, you can see it, all the way through this passage that the Lord does something. 26, the Lord said to Moses, reach out with your hand over the sea so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians, over their chariots and their horsemen. Verse 27, so Moses reached out his hand over the sea and the sea returned. Then it says in that verse, then the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. There is this incredible cooperation with God to deal with the enemy. Hallelujah. We need to learn to cooperate with God to deal with the enemy. We will not deal with the enemy by just becoming obsessed by his chaotic ways and his intimidations and his negativity and his pursuit of us. We won't deal with him that way. We won't deal with it by going into a great study about how he works through the scriptures that won't be the only way to do it. The way to do it is to obey God and to do what he tells you to do and to look for what he does and to learn to cooperate with God because he has the victory over the enemy. He has the victory over the enemy pursuing you, trying to rob you, trying to take you back into darkness. We need to make room in our lives for the Lord's hand to be seen. We need to welcome the opportunity to work with God. We need to welcome the opportunity to partner with him. It might mean adjusting how you live your life a little bit. <laughs> because sometimes we so have our own ways of handling everything. But the Lord is saying, make some room for me. Make some room for my voice. Because I'm going to tell you what to do. And then I'm going to back it up by what I do. And I'm going to take you forward. That is what I have for you. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
the victory that he gives us. It's interesting to me in verse 18 that it says, then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. The victory belongs to our Lord Jesus. The glory belongs to him. He is the one who has overcome sin and death and every evil strategy of the enemy. Every bit of dirt that he throws at you, that is what he has dealt with on the cross. The victory belongs to him. And we are invited to cooperate with him, to put that victory right forward towards the enemy and to see him stopped in his tracks. It is sometimes not as simple as one simple prayer one morning that it happens. It might happen that way. Sometimes it's more like this very real situation that the uh, Israelites are facing. It is very real when you can see the enemy pursuing you. When you can almost feel, hear the floor vibrating with their chariots. It becomes very real. It becomes very real when the enemy gets near. And some of you know what that feels like to be so close to the darkness and the enemy's strategies. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ and will enable us to find that wise way through where we are cooperating with him and we see him at work. And it comes from a confidence that he is the Lord. That's where this kind of cooperation comes from. It's not from a, oh, well, God needs my help a little bit. Um, because, you know, he can't really do it without me. That's not where it comes from. It comes from a revelation that he is the Lord. He is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, and all authority on heaven and earth belongs to him. And one day he's coming back for his bride, for his people. It comes from a confidence in his lordship in our lives and in our lives together as a people. That is where we start to say, I want to cooperate with God, because look what he can do. He does it much better than I can do it. And Moses cooperates with God in the most beautiful way. And, you know, as we get to that last verse or two of this chapter, we see this lovely thing, this lovely declaration here. Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians. The people feared the Lord, believed in the Lord, and in his servant Moses. Now, it's so tempting. I don't know if it's just the British, you know, it's cynicism in us to go, yeah, well, let's wait a few chapters and uh, see if that continues for very long. But let's not do that. Let's stop in this moment and say, do you know, here we are. This is where they arrived after this, fearing the Lord, believing in the Lord and in the type of leadership that Moses showed in this moment. There is a great need if God's people are going to be lifted out of a despairing, hopeless, overwhelmed by the chaos of the enemy place, for the leadership of the church of Jesus Christ to have an understanding of how to cooperate with God and lead the people forward. That's the kind of leadership we want, isn't it? Where we look and we think, that person knows how to lead us out of the enemy's strategies into the purposes of God. That's the kind of leadership we need in the church, in our lives, It's not a leadership that's seeking to control and dominate and manipulate our lives. It is a leadership like Moses that knows God, that knows how to work with God. We know we can trust that they're going to lead us through with God's way where we can end up in a place where we are believing in him and we are thankful for the leadership that we have received because it got the enemy out. It got the enemy dealt with. The people were not going to get there without Moses. 
And in some ways, we can all be a Moses to others in our families, in our, um, those around us. We can be like a Moses. We can help to lead the way, but we need to learn how to cooperate with God. So I was feeling as um, just come to the end of what I had to share today, that we do need to pray for, our, for leadership, don't we? Spiritual leadership. We need to pray that we will become people who are able to discipline what we see, what we say, and the effect it has on our inner strength and resources so that we can go forward with God with confidence that he is going to take us to the place of freedom that he promised and that he will deal with our enemies. Let me pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I want to thank you that there is so much in this chapter about how you work and the invitation to us to cooperate with you in the world. Lord, we want to see the enemy silenced. Lord, we want to see the enemy defeated. Lord, we want to see more freedom, more of the victories of Jesus breaking through. Lord, we want to see more faith rising. We want to see a church that is a believing people, that are people that understand who they have in their Lord Jesus, that understand the Lordship of Jesus in their lives and can move forward together. Lord, we want to pray, Lord. I pray for this congregation that if in any way the enemy has been putting in despair and hopelessness and holding this congregation back in any way. Lord, come and do a great washing of truth this morning. Lord, that as a congregation of people, they would again just find a fresh movement forward in the name of Jesus. Lord, a movement forward under your lordship, under your authority, cooperating with you. Lord, to pray, Lord, this week for some those in this congregation who have had ongoing struggles and battles and feeling pursued and in intimidated and fearful by the enemy and their past has been rearing up uh, against them. Lord, we want to just say in the name of Jesus, go forward. Go forward in Jesus' name. Go forward in the power of God. Go forward trusting that he will act for you. He will stand with you. We just reject fear as a solution in Jesus' name. We reject hopelessness as a solution in Jesus' name. And we say, Lord, you are the God of victory. You are the God who brought the people through the sea. Lord, you dealt with the enemy. Lord, you dealt with those that pursue. And Lord, you bring your people out into a place of victory. And Lord, we just want to speak that, Lord, with hearts of compassion, but hearts of strength and confidence in you over your people in this congregation. Pray, Lord, that um, the, the bells of victory would ring. Lord, the songs would be sung of victory. Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for who you are, Lord. We are astounded by the way, Lord, that you cooperated, uh, Lord, with Moses and Moses cooperated with you. Lord, would you open up to us more of what this truly means, of how to live this way, of what it means to truly cooperate with you, Lord Jesus. Open our ears, strengthen our hearts, Lord, to go forward with you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let your living word abide in me so richly as I abide in you. Let your living